Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Well, wow, we're five sermons deep in this sermon series, and <clears throat> we're going to continue our study on the spiritual armor. So let's get a quick recap of what Paul has observed so far, that the most impressive parts of the armor were made of brass. I was telling Rick before is that there's so much to the armor of God. If I preach it all, I'll get lost and go down rabbit holes and, and all kind of weird stuff. I'll never get through it. So there's some things about the armor of God that I haven't touched on. I'll touch on it today because you're like, he didn't say that. So just let me... The, the most impressive parts of the armor were made of brass, the breastplate and the shoes. We talked about that the breastplate covered the soldier from neck to navel. But if you look at it, it actually covered them from shoulders to knees. You ever seen those like gladiator movies where it looked like it was hinged at the waist? It would cover the thigh, but it wasn't just one piece. Um, also, the breastplate covered the, sho- the, the soldier front and back. I know it's good preaching. There is no, there's nothing on the back. There's no armor because the soldier of God should never retreat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great preaching. Um, it's not historically correct. Um, because it would, if, you ever, if you've seen any gladiator movie, there was always that it looked like it was a brass, almost like a shirt that they would wear. It covered the front and back. The shoes were like boots covering the, sho- the soldier um, from knees to the bottom of his feet. And wrapped around the armor was a leather belt designed to hold the armor together. Plus be a resting place for his shield and spear and also a place to keep his sword at his side. The breastplate was a defensive weapon designed to protect the soldier in combat. The shoes with their three-inch spikes, we call those hobnails, uh, were used to establish a firm footing when in combat. But the breastplate was also an offensive weapon when polished. The sunlight bouncing off the brass would intimidate and blind their opponents. Likewise, their shoes were an offensive weapon. We didn't talk about this when we talked about the shoes, but could you imagine the sound of marching a legion upon legion of soldiers? It would be deafening on paved roads, and these three-inch spikes would cause fear, just the sound. It would be almost like the Luftwaffe and the, you know, those, um, you know, the German fighters. That, they, that wasn't air. They put an alarm. They put, a, they put a thing on the actual plane that it would strike fear in people as they begin to dive into, into an uh, attack for dive bombing. The, the Germans did that because it was psychological warfare. Could you imagine legion upon legion of soldiers with their three-inch hobnail spikes walking? It would strike fear. And, oh, and by the way, if you fall, it's a great meat tenderizer. So the leather belt was not actually used in a combat role. However, it was extremely important because it held everything together and kept the weapons close at hand. And Paul related the breastplate uh, to righteousness of God. It's a reminder of our right standing with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It was given to us at conversion as a gift. It defends us against attacks of Satan that are both close and far away. It's a reminder that our relationship with God is not based on our actions. Listen to me, therefore Satan's accusations against us can't cause us to doubt our relationship with God. It's also an offensive weapon and polished with the word of God. It, it reflects the love, the kindness, the acceptance of Jesus in the dark corners of Satan's domain. He cannot withstand the brightness of God's righteousness. Paul related the shoes to the peace of God. Now we had the threefold peace. We have a lot of stuff. If you haven't caught it all, we have it all on Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, anything that's basically connected to the internet, you'll still find it on there. So we have the promise that we can trample them under our feet because uh, we, are, we have firm footing with the battle and our battle with the forces that are sent against us. It's the assurance that gives us peace with God that results in the peace of God. It's the peace which leads us into a spirit of calmness when crisis arises, And we have the assurance that God is in control. Paul laid the belt to the word of God. 
in his written word that holds everything together. It is this thing that holds it all together and in place. Although it's made of leather and not brass, it's the most important part of the armor. Without the written word of God, everything falls apart. Without it, nothing stays in place. And the most important investment we can make in our spiritual armor is in the word of God. If we're not reading the word of God, our armor is useless. Next, Paul looked at a piece of weaponry that a soldier would carry. So that was just a recap. It was an impressive piece due to its size. It was the shield. Ephesians 6.16, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Paul has observed how impressive the armor is thus far. The protection from shoulder to foot. Even the helmet that protects the head that we'll discuss later. The soldiers are covered from head to foot, but he recognizes that this isn't enough. They still need a shield. Now, most pictures of Roman soldiers show them with a rather small round shield, and they were made for parades or public ceremony shields. That's not what they took to battle. They were beautifully decorated. They were cute, but they weren't effective. We often see these in movies and in arenas where the gladiators would fight for entertainment, uh, which would be historically correct, but those small round shields would be ineffective in an actual battle. Um, so if I was a good preacher, I would stop right here and say, you need to put away your pretty faith and get a faith that'll actually work. You need to get rid of your little pretty Sunday faith that you put on and, and you, you smell good and looks good, but it's absolutely ineffective whatsoever in actual battle. You need to get something that has a little more substance. It's a little bigger, but since I'm not a good preacher, I'll, I'll keep going. See, the, the helmet protects the head. The soldiers covered head to foot, but they needed this shield. They needed it. The shield that Paul had in mind was taken from the Greek word meaning oblong. This is another Greek word that's only used once in the Bible, and it's referring to the shield in Ephesians 6. It described a door that was wide in width and long in length. These shields carried into battle were the size of doors. I actually have one on my wall at the office. Can't put it in the cubicle, but if you got an office, you can put it in there. That's just, that's just for actually Matt, that's all. That's not for you guys, just for Matt. Um, these shields are carrying the battle the size of doors. And like a door covers you when you're behind it, so did these shields. These shields were not made of brass, but rather animal hides. They were usually six layers thick, and they were tanned and woven together to make it almost as strong as steel. Imagine a leather couch, parents. That had six layers. You never have to worry about kids puncturing anything. It would be like sitting on an elephant. It would be great. See, since it was made of animal hide, special care was needed to keep the outer layer from becoming brittle and breakable. It was necessary for the soldier to apply oil to his shield daily. And if the outer layer of the shield became hard, stiff, and brittle, a hard blow from the enemy could cause it to shatter. Another tactic was to soak the shield in water before battle. They would leave it in the water until it's completely saturated. It was estimated these shields would weigh between 20 to 40 pounds depending on saturation. And in order to relieve some of the weight from them, they would clip it to the belt tied around their waist. So sometimes when your faith gets heavy, you need to clip it on the truth. See, that's what it's talking about. All these are, they fit together. The reason to soak these shields in water was to extinguish arrows that had been set on fire. When these arrows hit the water-soaked shields, they'd be immediately extinguished. It talks about that the shield of faith can extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so the enemies, they would, they would actually shoot the flaming arrows. And when it hit the, the, the shield, if your shield was dry, it would catch on fire. But if it was soaked in water, it would actually extinguish the darts of the enemy. See, I'm going to do different. I'm, I'm going to preach a whole bunch of points and I'm going to tie it back around. Because if not, I'll never finish this. I'll never finish it. I'm getting itchy already. I got to try to finish this. 
Needless to say, it was important that when the soldier kept his shield in front of him when advancing, a shield to the side was not useful. Shields were designed to completely cover the soldier. No soldier would have gone to war without his well-prepared shield. Without them, there's nothing between him and his enemy. No one soldier had the ability to defeat an army. It took a corporate effort of the entire legion. So in battle, they would get close in line together with their shields protecting themselves. Now, a lot of times, myself included, I would confuse the Roman legion with actually other fighters when they would use the phalanx, which would be one shield covers two-thirds of my body and one-third of the person to, um, would be to my left, right? Is that right? Yeah. If I'm holding it here, two-thirds of my body, one-third to the left, my guy next to me would cover me, but that's not so in the Roman legion. The Roman legion, they had hinges on their shield that allowed them to attach to their neighbor's shield on each side. It was almost like doors. This would form a wall of doors advancing slowly toward the enemy, allowing them to march right up to the enemy lines. Paul relates that the shield to our faith, it's a faith that protects us. It's a faith that lets us win battles against Satan. It's our faith that needs special attention to make sure it's strong and durable. Without our faith, we'll be defeated. So why am I not preaching every single point? Because we can go, we can preach, I can preach, I got enough material, I can preach the rest of the day. But I want to get to this. So where does faith begin? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. The scripture leads us back to the reality of God's word. The belt of truth wrapped around our spiritual armor supports our faith. Without this belt, our shield of faith will become extremely heavy. Without the truth of God's word, our faith can become burdensome. When tested, it weighs us down because we have no solid foundation to hang it on. When we try to walk in faith based on our feelings or somebody's teaching, we open the door to allowing our faith to slip from our hands, exposing us to the enemy. We all heard of incidences where someone didn't get an answer to prayer. Please, please don't ever say this in C3. I know I have the mean face. I know I'm not mad. But if you want to see a legit mean face, please tell somebody that didn't get an answer to prayer it's because they didn't have enough faith. You will have to pray me through by the time I'm done with you. Please do not say that. So the person, you know, oh, your faith wasn't strong enough. You didn't have enough faith. That person immediately loses what faith they had, and they begin to deal with guilt. Their faith was hanging on the words of others instead of hanging on the word of God. So if you don't know what to say, here, let me me tell you. Jesus, help me. I can't say that. I can't say that. Can't say that either. If you don't know what to say, just don't say anything. <laughs> Please, if you don't know, hey, how come God didn't answer my prayer? If you don't know how to answer, just say, I don't know. But please don't say, well, it must have been your faith. Oh, you don't have your faith isn't big enough or strong enough or, or powerful enough. Please don't say that. So here's the question I want to get to because I can preach to you about having the anointing applied to your shield and soaking it in the water of the word and standing next to your person. Mm-hmm. Hey, we can, we can shout, but no, no, no. I want to talk to somebody who has a question. How do I know if my faith's big enough? How do I know, pastor, if my faith is big enough? Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Notice the end of this verse, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given. God knows how much or exactly how much faith you need. 
All right, listen to this. No Roman soldier that was six foot tall would be given a shield for a soldier five foot tall. Likewise, it would not make sense to give a soldier, you know, a six foot tall soldier, a shield of seven foot tall. That would be more shield than they needed and put an undue burden for the care and carrying of the shield. Each soldier would be equipped with the shield to fit him. God does the same with faith. Some have the faith of a mustard seed and that's all that's needed. Some have the faith to move mountains and that's all that's needed. Faith can be a slippery slope because you may feel prideful because your faith is greater than someone else's. Or you may feel envious because your faith is not as great as someone else's. And Satan will use those emotions to try to circumvent your faith. If not careful, you can weaken someone else's faith by exhibiting what great faith should look like. If not careful, you become bitter and offensive towards others that you perceive as claiming to have greater faith than you. Let me tell you this. Whatever measure of faith you have, it's the right proportion for right now. God wants your faith to grow, but he wants to be the one to spur that growth. Take what faith you have and apply it to what you know. It'll be enough to completely cover you like a door from the attacks of Satan. What happens? We think we didn't have great faith. Now, this is, this is where I begin to meddle. I know people in their search for great faith do great nothing. Nothing. They spend their entire walk with God trying to get this great faith and don't ever enjoy the walk or ever do anything for God. Listen, the faith I have now is not the faith I had 20 years ago. And it shouldn't be. The faith I have now, I'll use me as an example because you get mad when I talk about you. The faith that I have is exactly what I need today. The faith I had 10 years ago was exactly the faith I needed then. God wants to spur my faith to grow. God is not going to send you in the battle and say, you know what, I'm sorry. You just don't have enough faith. The faith you have now, use that. If you use the faith you have now, I promise this. So... How do you take care of this faith? Ephesians 5, 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. First, you have to soak your faith in God's word. This word for washed meant a soaking cleansing. You must soak daily your faith in the word of God because Satan is firing daily his flaming arrows at you. His desire is to destroy your faith in God at whatever the cost. And if you allow your shield of faith to dry out, those flaming aerials will burn and destroy your faith, leaving you vulnerable to his attacks. I've seen the destruction of people's lives that have lost their faith in God. They've listened to the lies of the enemy rather than meditating on the truth of God. We know this, but here, let me pass it for a few minutes. You know this, but you still won't read your Bible. You know this, but you'll let your kids watch 16 hours of Netflix, but won't read to them for 15 minutes a night. You know this. I don't care how much church you go to. You need the word of God. I don't care if you're in every program, if you're the first here and the last to leave, if you have no word of God, you are going to dry up and your faith will not work. It's only, it's only a time you soak your faith in the cleansing water of God's truth. That works. And if the only time you do that is when you come to church, church your faith is dry. And people with dry faith give up on God. And God is blamed for the attacks of Satan. So soak your shield of faith daily. Read the word of God. If you've said it before, you don't like reading, listen. If, if you can't listen, then I, don't, I, don't, I can't help you. If, if you don't want to read, you can have someone read it to you. 
but do something to soak it. So perhaps your shield needs a good application of oil as well. I like this Psalms 92.10, but you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. When we talk about anointing, especially in spirit-filled churches, we have all kinds of ideas. Yes, ma'am. When we talk about the anointing of God, a lot of different pictures can develop. We anoint people when they're sick. We say, oh, that word was anointed. That person was anointed. That song was anointed. Anointed, anointed, anointed. But do we really understand the anointing that's available to us? The anointing mentioned in the New Testament is a physical anointing. It's not pouring oil on somebody's head. It's a rubbing or smearing the oil on somebody. Totally different. Like the soldier who would physically rub his shield with oil and working it into the fabric. God's desires are spiritually begin to work his anointing into our life, into our being. His desires have a hands-on anointing taking place in our faith. He wants to be actively involved in building our faith. Without this anointing, the Holy Spirit, in our faith, our shield become brittle, cracked, and worn. So God, anoint me. What do you want to be anointed for? He'll say, oh, I want to be anointed. For what? Oh, because that means I'm being really cool. I want to be anointed because I'm really powerful. Well, really anointed. Yeah, you will be powerful, but when you say, God, anoint me, anoint me so my faith doesn't dry out. Anoint me. Why? Because you can soak the shield in water. It's one thing to saturate the shield in water. It's another thing to anoint it with oil, to actually keep it as good as it was when it first was given to you. I don't want you to just, the water, the water, the water. You also need to have the anointing. God, God, anoint my faith. What does that mean? So I can have crazy faith to believe people will rise from the dead? Good. But no, what it is, anoint my faith so God, it doesn't dry out. So you got to ask for this anointing daily. We must seek it through prayer. And we have the promise that our faith will be as strong as an ox. So what about those times, Pastor, when my faith feels weak? We're supposed to have this shield of faith. Some people have a mustard seed faith. Some people have a move a mountain faith. Now I got to soak my faith in the water of the word. Now I got to ask God to anoint it with his spirit. But what happens when my faith feels weak? Hebrews 10, 25. Oh, people have been in church already know where I'm going. It's like, oh, pastor's cheap. Don't do this. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen to me. It was never meant for a Roman soldier to face an army by himself. Their personal armor would cover them from head to foot, but gave them no protection from an onslaught. You understand, just because that person was trained, just because he or she was outfitted from head to toe did not mean that they could survive by themselves. That's why their shields were designed to fasten to each other to create a united front. And that's what the church should do for you. We should be able to call. We should be. We should be. Did I say that? This should be. Should. 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 We should. Should. Say it with me. We should. Yes, we should be able to call each other for prayer and support instead of people that gossip all the time. We should be able to call people on prayer and support instead of saying, I can't believe that happened to you. And all of a sudden they hang up and they tell everybody and their grandmother about it. We should be able to call on each other for prayer and support when we're in a spiritual battle. We should be able to link arms in unity and meet each other's needs, not criticize them because they're not as strong as we are. My faith attached to your faith, attached to your faith, um, will make us impossible or make it possible for Satan to get his fiery arrows through our faith. What are you saying? 
My faith is not strong enough to make it by myself. I need to link arms with your faith and your faith and your faith. Oh, and by the way, while you're helping me, I'm helping you. That's what church should be. It shouldn't be a bunch of people doing silo Christianity. It should be where we could be united together. It should never be that. See, if you're not walking in unity with a gathering of believers on a regular basis, you are a lone wolf soldier trying to fight a battle that you are destined to lose. You are destined to lose. Well, I just do church on my couch. Yes, and I will show you a defeated Christian. How many people, don't don't say nothing because I'm going to say we're gospeling. Just look ahead and just talk into your mind. How many people you know who do not go to church, who profess Christianity by themselves and do not have a body of believers and are not accountable, how much victory are they walking in? Here's the number. Why? Because God didn't design us for that. He didn't, he, his idea was the church. If we could do it by ourselves, he would never say that. He'd say, you know what, just do what you want to do. It's his idea that we're supposed to have this body of believers. Why? Because you help me and I help you. That's what church is about. Newsflash, church is not about salvation. You can get saved on the street corners. You don't need to be in here to be saved. Church is not about letting your only, about being your only source of God's word. You, if this is your only source of God's word, you are missing the point. You have a Bible. You can sit on the couch and watch preaching. Church is not about social gatherings. We're not supposed to be just here once a week and see what kind of snacks we got. They got snacks other places. Church is a place for support. It's a place to prepare to do battle with our enemy where we can encourage one another in our battles. It's where we make stronger our shield of faith. That's what church is supposed to be. Let's just be honest. How big or how wide have we missed the mark? I just want to be a church so I can get saved. All right, great. You're saved. Now what? Oh, no, I just keep coming. We have missed them. Kendall, we have missed the mark. Even spirit-filled churches. I got the Holy Ghost. I speak in tongues. Great. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. Wonderful. I believe in one God. Awesome. Now what? Oh, just wait for the rapture. Oh, that sounds great. Can't wait. Tell that to a teenager. Just stay saved. What do you want me to do? I just come to church early. We are missing the point. We are missing the point. God's promise to us in 1 Peter 5, or 1 and 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Once again, we see the joint effort between us and God. He'll protect us by his power, not ours. His protection is based on our faith, but his protection is based on our faith. Our faith will hinder us in receiving the full protection from God. So we need, that's why it's important that our shield is kept anointed in the Holy Spirit and soaked in the word. That's the craziness. Part about it is that he'll help our faith, but our faith can also hinder what is, what's going on. Again, I don't, I don't want any participation. I'm like, the, I'm like the pastor says, don't clap, don't say nothing, just look straight. How many times this week did you pray for your faith? How many times did you ask, oh, God, would you please anoint me? I don't want to dry out. I don't want to go to church so much that... I never miss a Sunday, but I'm so dry. When's the last time you said gone? Because here, when church becomes boring and dull and dry, I will show you a person that does not pray, that does not read the Bible, and, and is not wanting to do anything with God or let God do anything through them. Church is so boring. I know why. You're doing it on your own. God's not even in it. Oh, you know, it's just my, my faith is up and down. Okay, why don't you start praying for your faith? Here's the thing, is that you have to soak your shield, but God wants to anoint it. 
The soaking is your part, is your thing. Soak it in the word of God. I love all these people writing. I'm just, this is so good, man. I feel like I'm in the 80s. Praise God. That's our part. But then ask God to anoint it. It's not the poor oil on the head. Oh, look, he's going to be the next king anointing. It's a rubbing it in. It's a working it in. God says, you know what? Your faith that you have now is enough for you right now. But it's going to grow. See, God has delivered us the right amount of faith needed to fight Satan and win. I wish you'd believe that. We got Christians that don't want to do anything because they don't think their faith is great enough. And what's the scripture that messes up? These cometh out only by prayer and fasting. And, and oh, you're, oh, people have such little faith. I understand. I understand that's in the scriptures. But I'm telling you, the amount of faith that you need to win, you already have. But it's your responsibility and my responsibility to ensure that we've taken proper care of what we've been given. It is designed by God to cover us fully. That's your prayer. Support your shield with the word of God when your faith feels like it's a burden. This is making sense now. So here we are. We got the, the belt of truth. That supports everything, ties everything in. And not only, is it, not only is it the breastplate of righteousness, it's the righteousness of God, which basically says we're in right standing with God, which what? That protects our heart. We talk about, remember, we talk about the bowels, the emotions. So it protects our heart, protects our mind, protects our emotions. It's front and back. What else do we talk about? Oh, the shoes. Oh, yeah. We talked about the three different types of peace. Peace with God, which we get in salvation. Peace of God, which we get when we give things and don't take it back. Which, by the way, Ian's favorite part, he didn't say it, was, um, what was it? Looking no touchy. Yeah, anyway. And then the hardest part is peace with others. I've been through a lot of, let's talk about the armor of God, where people just go, two services, they do the whole thing. Isn't that great? But they miss the whole why, the why. And that, that's hard because the peace with God is given by God, and the peace um, of God and peace with others, we have to give something. We talked about that. We talked about, and then we're talking about the, the shield of faith. Which not only do I have a responsibility to make sure it's soaked in the word of God, I have a responsibility to ask God to anoint it. And it's not just to protect me, it's to protect you. Which gets really weird in church in 2021 because why do we criticize people to have a hard time instead of pulling up alongside of them and connecting our faith with theirs? Sounds like that should be the church. Nobody in the formation says, I can't believe you can't defend, defeat this whole army by yourself. Quran, what's wrong with you? Get out there and fight them 500 people. It was never meant to be that way. It was meant to be, you know what, Quran, if you and I don't stick together, we are going to get worn out. And Quran says, you know what, okay, you know what, the faith that God's given me was meant to connect with your faith. All right, perfect. And now we get somebody else. And all of a sudden, now we connect our faith as a church, and Satan can't do anything. What he tries to do is pull us apart. What he tries to say is, oh, you're not good enough. I know I'm not good enough. That's why I have the breastplate of righteousness, which is God's righteousness. I'm not good enough. But me and God are in the right standing. Oh, you know what? You're, you're not powerful enough. You know what? You're right. That's why I got the shield of faith. Um, we're talking about the sword of spirit. We talked about the sword of spirit already, didn't we? Mm, yeah. 
We have one more thing to talk about. Because I guess the difference is, do you want to talk about the armor of God or you know, our spiritual warfare? Um, but I think that if we talked about how to pray, warring prayer without the armor of God, I think we're asking for it. <laughs> so I told you I was going to do spiritual warfare, and I talked about the armor of God for six weeks. Um, because I think if we don't understand that and you, all of a sudden you want to start warring in prayer and you want to start um, picking fights. Mm. Um, do I think someone's going to jump out of your closet? No. Do I think you'd be discouraged? Absolutely. Do I think you could be worn down? Yes. Do I think there could be problems in your marriage? Yeah. Do you think I can be problems at work? Yeah. Because you are open to attack if you don't have the armor. Um, and so they'll attack your mind. He's not going to come out and if so he can come out with a machete, he'd do it. He can't do that. Obviously, we're all here. So he's going to attack our mind, our emotions. Um, and before I want you to start praying over your family and warring for your family and warring for your city and warring for your church, I would sure like for you to have the armor of God on. And not only have it on, but understand what it's supposed to do. And understand God gave all of it. And Paul says, you need to have all this on just to be able to stand at the end of the day. He didn't say so you could rout the enemy and it's just going to be ridiculous. He said, no, after you've done all the stand, oh, hopefully you'll be standing. <laughs> you need all of that on. So as you stand with me, I'll give you some. I come for the person that said, Pastor, I just don't know if I have enough faith. Really? How long have I been preaching? Matt, how, many, how long have I been preaching? I've been preaching for an hour? The devil is alive. I've been preaching for an hour. 40 minutes. Thank you. If you listen to me for 40 minutes, you've got enough faith. If you made it all the way out on a Sunday, you have enough faith. If you're listening to this on Spotify or SoundCloud, you got enough faith. If you're watching this on YouTube and it ain't even Sunday, you got enough faith. The devil wants you to think, he wants to convince you you have not enough faith, and hopefully one day, someday, in 20 years, you have enough faith that should do something for God. Let me tell you right now, you have enough faith. God has given you enough faith for what you need right now. Your responsibility is not to, to whine and bellyache about, I don't have enough faith. No, what you need to do is take care of what you got. Take care of what you got. Soak it in the water of the word. How, pastor? Read whatever you want to. I don't care. You can read from Genesis to Revelation. You can read from Revelation to Genesis. You can turn it upside down. You can read in Hebrew, Greek, Spanish, Arabic. I don't care what you read it in. Just get it in there. You don't have to go in order. You can go by topic. You can go by book. You can go by personality. You can go by Bible character. I don't care how you do it. Just get, soak your faith in the word of God. Sometimes this faith stuff isn't easy. I know that's why your, the shield was meant to hook to the belt. Sometimes faith gets heavy to carry. So here's the thing is, how do I get more faith? Take care of what you already got. And this is going to be rude. This is, it's not meant to be rude, but it's going to be rude because that's how I, it's pretty much how I talk most of the time. You don't need mountain-moving faith if you're scared to death to even look at a mountain. 
Don't be saying, God, I want enough faith to raise the dead. You don't even pray for people who got a headache. I'm sorry, let me get my faith. Don't ask for faith at a level you won't even use. Like, God, I want a bazooka. Man, you can't even march. Use the faith you have now. If you want to be used in miracle signs and wonders against the spirit, start praying for people that got a headache and see what God will do. But if you won't do anything with your faith, don't ask for more of it. Just take care of it. Is that fair? But now, now, if you want to go to be a missionary in another country and you want to battle, you know, powers and principalities and all kind of stuff, and you, you're going to need to exercise that faith. That's why I'm saying you have enough faith for you want. It's like, Pastor, I just, I just don't know. If you want to do more, make sure you're taking care of the faith and say, God, I'm doing everything I can to take care of the level of faith you've given me now. Will you please anoint my faith? And as God opens doors for you and you begin to face new challenges and you begin to exercise that faith, I promise it'll grow. It has no reason to grow. People always say, man, I'm going to go to the gym to get big. You don't get big in the gym. You tear everything down in the gym. You get big when you rest and recover. Pastor, I'm going through it right now. Good, you're in the gym. Pastor, you don't understand. It feels like my, my world is, I'm just so stressed. Good, you're in the gym. When people say, I want to stretch my faith. Have you ever stretched before? I am not flexible. Stretching is terrible. When you say, God, stretch my faith. Really? You say you want to go through pain. You want to go through some things. But I promise, it's when you go through that and you survive and you go into a rest period, all of a sudden, now you're stronger. So if you are going through the grinder and you feel like your entire world is, is collapsing on you and everything is crumbling, you are now exercising your faith. What's happening right now is your faith is getting torn down and stretched. And when it's grown back together and, and God gives you a season of rest, there's your season, sister, and gives you a season of rest, your growth will be more powerful, be bigger. Your faith will be bigger. Like I told you before, I can stretch your t-shirt to a size that I don't care what you do with hot water, cold water, or dry it. It'll never go back to the size once I finish stretching it. God is going to stretch some of your faith, but God's going to stretch some of your faith, but don't quit when he does it. Don't quit when he does it. Pastor, I don't understand why I got this sickness. I don't understand why I got this pain. I don't understand why all this stuff's happening in my family. I don't understand it either. I don't understand how God works all the time. But I know that usually when it feels like you're running out of faith, that's when God is actually trying to build your faith. It doesn't get built in the gym. It doesn't get built in the trial. It gets built in the season of rest. You can go to the gym all day long. If you don't eat, you'll just be tired and skinny. You need to nourish yourself with the word of God. So there's some people here. Ken Lori said there's some people here that are going through it. It's not because God's mad at you. Pastor, why is it happening? I'm not going to tell you that, that God sends tragedy. What I'm going to say is maybe God trusts you enough. Kendall was talking about, I, I, you know, with, with Tammy before and all her stuff is that I don't know if God could trust me with that. Pastor, where's your faith? I'm telling you, I'm being honest. I don't know. Something happened to one of my kids. I don't know if that would stretch my faith or if that would completely crush it. There's some powerful people that never grab a microphone. 
There's some powerful people that would never write a book that have the most powerful, awesome, just mind-blowing faith. So please don't be confused with the guy at the microphone and have the biggest faith in the room. That's not true. What I'm saying is, some of you, you have bigger things to face, and God is beginning to stretch your faith. He's beginning to give you bigger faith. Soak it in the word. Ask for his anointing. Now, if you're here, and you're saying, Pastor, I feel like I'm one of those people. I'm going through it right now. If it's okay, can I pray for you? If you're here right now and you say, you know what? Life isn't perfect right now, but I'm still here. I want to pray for you. Because when you come out of this, you will have a different faith. Now, I can preach it. I can convince you to believe it, but I can't convince you to move. But if you're here, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm going through some things, but I know God's still in control. I want to pray for you. Why? Because I wanted to fix it. No, I want to pray for you. Those are Wednesday night will know what I'm saying. It just came right to me. I want to pray for your endurance. I, I don't want to pray that God takes it away. I want to pray you have endurance to finish. Because I don't want to, here's something crazy. I know that I'm going over time. Is that I don't want God to stop in the middle of doing something just because you say I don't want it anymore. I want to pray for your endurance to push through it. So when God is finished, you will be powerful. You'll be stronger than ever before. I want to pray for your endurance so you'll go through this. And what God has in store is what actually is going to happen in your life. So that's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for endurance. As Todd sings, if you're like, Pastor, you know what? I could use a little bit of endurance. I want you to come right now. I want to pray for you. As Todd sings.